Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Thank you for listening to Depictions Media Radio. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. On 11 September, the members of the Security Council met to discuss the situation in Yemen. They were briefed by the UN Special Envoy Grunberg alongside OCHA, ASG Msuya, and Major General Barry. The members of the Security Council expressed their support to the UN dead peace process based on the agreed references and reiterated the urgency for a Yemeni-Yemeni dialogue and a national-wide ceasefire. The members of the Security Council also reiterated the importance of making rapid and tangible progress in the current discussions. The members of the Security Council stressed the need to maintain the prevailing calm and ensure unhindered humanitarian access. The members of the Security Council welcomed the efforts by Saudi Arabia and Oman delegations and their ongoing support to the mediation efforts of the United Nations. Thank you. seems to have really just stalled out the last few months. Well, he's working very hard, and he asked for the support of the Council to his efforts uh, in this regard, and this is exactly what the Council did, as I uh, explained now. Thank you. All right. uh, Good afternoon, everyone. I'd like to extend a warm welcome to the new DAG Hammarskjöld Fellows. Welcome. Uh, You would have seen that we issued a statement over the weekend in which the Secretary General was profoundly saddened to learn of the earthquake that hit Morocco, which claimed many lives. The Secretary General expresses his solidarity with the government and people of Morocco in these difficult times. 
He addresses his most sincere condolences to the families of the victims and wishes a speedy recovery to the injured. And we reiterate our readiness to assist the government of Morocco in its efforts to assist the impacted population. The Office for the Coordination of Humanitarian Affairs says that as of today, according to national authorities, some 2,500 people have lost their lives and some 2,500 have been injured, the vast majority in Al-Hawuz and Taroudan provinces. Road blockages and difficult geographic conditions have made it challenging to conduct search and rescue interventions. Many people fearing additional aftershocks have sought refuge, refuge outdoors. Moroccan authorities are leading the response efforts and have activated national rescue and response mechanisms. Civil protection units have been deployed to increase stocks and blood banks and ensure the supply of vital resources, including water, food, tents and blankets to affected areas. Moroccan Red Crescent teams continue to respond on the ground, providing first aid, psychosocial support, and helping transport the injured to hospitals. We continue to be in close communication with the authorities to offer our support in assessment, coordination, and response to the situation. Meanwhile, the personal envoy of the Secretary General for Western Sahara, Stefan de Mistura, was in Rabat on the 8th of September. We had a useful meeting with Foreign Minister Nasser Burita of Morocco about the Western Sahara political process. Mr. de Mistura has conveyed his condolences to the Moroccan authorities following the earthquake that struck parts of the country. The Secretary General will be in the office shortly after having arrived from New Delhi, where over the weekend he attended the annual G20 meeting. The Secretary General participated in a number of the sessions with other world leaders for discussions on climate, development, and technology, to name a few. As a reminder, the Secretary General will be holding his traditional pre-General Assembly press conference on Wednesday. On Thursday, as he's already told you, he'll be headed to Cuba for the G77 plus China summit, and will return from that trip on Friday evening. And I've been asked by a few of you about the new contribution to the Green Climate Fund, and I can tell you that the Secretary General welcomes and is very encouraged by the announcement by the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, Rishi Sunak, that his country will contribute $2 billion to the Green Climate Fund replenishment. This announcement comes after the important contributions made first by Germany, as well as Canada, Denmark, Austria, Monaco, and the Republic of Korea. The United Kingdom is only the third G7 country to have announced a contribution to the fund's second replenishment. The Secretary General calls on all other G7 members, developed countries, and other donors to make their announcements as well before the October replenishment conference. He hopes that other countries that have the capacity contribute to the Green Climate Fund, which is vital to the fight against climate change and is helping the world's most vulnerable people cope with its impacts. I wanted to bring to your attention the Secretary General's message on the commemoration of the 50th anniversary of the coup d'etat in Chile which happened on the 11th of September, 1973. He said that today we pay tribute to the victims of that dark period and to all those who have worked tirelessly to heal the wounds and build a more inclusive and just society. The Secretary General added that he was deeply moved by the coup and the death of Salvador Allende, seven months before the Carnation Revolution, and by the stories of persecuted Chilean refugees that he met during his time as High Commissioner for Refugees. Today's strong Chilean democracy gives us hope that humanity, united in its diversity, can solve any global challenges, he said. The Undersecretary General for Peace Operations, Jean-Pierre Lacroix, will travel to Buenos Aires, Argentina from the 11th to the 12th of September to attend the second Latin American and Caribbean Conference on UN peacekeeping operations. 
The conference brings together defense ministers from across the region to bolster cooperation and support for peacekeeping operations and to advance a regional cooperation network that was created last year at the first conference in Lima, Peru. While in Buenos Aires, Mr. Lacroix will meet with senior Argentinian officials and will also hold bilateral meetings with regional delegates to update them on peacekeeping priorities and challenges. The UN Relief and Works Agency for Palestine Refugees in the Near East, known as UNRWA, continues to respond alongside its partners to the urgent humanitarian needs in Ain al-Hilwe camp in Lebanon. In a statement issued yesterday, UNRWA confirmed that shelters and schools and other facilities were opened to accommodate over 750 displaced people as fighting and destruction of homes and facilities continues across the camp. UNRWA is currently exploring alternatives to accommodate children from Ain al-Hilwe camp so that they can start the school year with their peers on the 2nd of October and do not miss out on their right to education. UNRWA calls on all parties and those with influence over them to stop the violence. From Northwest Syria, the UN Office for the Coordination of Humanitarian Affairs says that continued hostilities, including shelling, have displaced some 5,300 families, which is more than 26,500 people between the 1st and the 9th of September. Clashes in northeastern Aleppo, particularly in villages along the front line, forced nearly 4,600 families from their homes. There are reports of overcrowding in camps and villages, with some families resorting to sleeping in the open. Schools have been temporarily converted into shelters, and at least 56 schools are reportedly suspended until further notice. As of September 9th, at least five people were killed, with 22 others, including 11 children, having been injured, according to local sources. At least six schools were affected by the hostilities in Idlib. We and our partners are closely monitoring the situation, and we continue to deliver assistance as needed. Meanwhile, in Deir Ezzor governorate in northeast Syria, the situation is calm, with small markets reopening and the partial resumption of water and electricity services. Humanitarian workers are focusing on health, nutrition, water and sanitation, and food assistance. An interagency assessment is scheduled to begin today. The humanitarian coordinator in Sudan, Clementine Ankweta Salami, today condemned in a tweet the indiscriminate attacks on residential areas of Khartoum, which killed and wounded dozens of people in a market yesterday. Also on Sudan, Undersecretary General Martin Griffiths spoke to General Hemeti of the Rapid Support Forces yesterday and stressed the need for stepped-up access to people in need. With the current response not meeting the colossal needs, Mr. Griffiths hopes to bring together the heads of all of the parties to be able to reach many more people. The High Commissioner for Refugees, Filippo Grandi, concluded a visit to Chad this weekend. He called for more international support to help the country cope with the surge of, in the number of refugees arriving from Sudan. As of last week, more than 400,000 refugees had arrived in the provinces of Uday, Silla, and Wadi Feira. The great majority of them, 86%, are women and children. Most refugees come from Darfur, and they are arriving in desperate conditions, particularly in the border town of Adre, which hosts over 150,000 people in a spontaneous settlement. Another 75,000 refugees have been transferred from Adre to two newly built refugee settlements. While humanitarian partners have made considerable efforts to ensure access to basic services such as health, water, sanitation, and food, the influx is putting pressure on already stretched resources and communities, with current funding levels insufficient to address both the emergency and long-term development needs of refugees and their hosts. Chad already hosted a large refugee population before the start of the Sudan conflict, but now one in 17 people living in the country is a refugee. On Ukraine, our humanitarian colleagues tell us that an attack on Saturday killed two volunteers and injured another two in the Donetsk region. 
In a statement, the humanitarian coordinator there, Denise Brown, said that volunteers, mostly national but also foreigners, are going to extraordinary lengths to provide some relief to civilians affected by the conflict. And as civilians, they are protected under international humanitarian law, and all efforts must be made to ensure their safety. Turning to Afghanistan, a report released over the weekend by the United Nations Office on Drugs and Crime shows that methamphetamine trafficking in Afghanistan and neighboring countries is surging. According to the report, there's been a drastic, nearly 12-fold increase in seizures of the drug in five years, from 2.5 tons in 2017 to 29.7 tons in 2021. UNODC findings further suggest that human heroin trafficking has continued, although at a lower rate, after the Taliban returned to power in August 2021 and introduced a drug ban in April 2022. Methamphetamine trafficking, however, has intensified since the ban, indicating a rapid expansion of the drug's manufacture and a possible reshaping of illicit drug markets long dominated by Afghan opiates. The full report is available online. We want to welcome a number of new colleagues today. The UN Development Coordination Office tells us that we have new resident coordinators in Jamaica and Saudi Arabia. They were appointed by the Secretary General following confirmations from the respective governments. Dennis Zulu of Zambia will serve as the United Nations resident coordinator in Jamaica and will also be responsible for coordinating the UN's development work in the Bahamas, Bermuda, Turks and Caicos, and the Cayman Islands. Mohammed El Zarkani of Egypt will serve as the United Nations resident coordinator in Saudi Arabia. Their full biographies are on the DCO website. And tomorrow, our guests will be Ime Schulz, co-president of the Heinrich Bull Foundation and co-chair of the independent group of scientists that prepared the Global Sustainable Development Report, and Astra Bonini, senior sustainable development officer in the Division for Sustainable Development Goals in the Department of Economic and Social Affairs. They will brief on the key findings of the Global Sustainable Development Report 2023. The report provides evidence and practical solutions to help decision makers overcome impediments to sustainable development. And at 2 p.m., Sandra Ojiambo, Assistant Secretary General and Executive Director of the UN Global Compact, will brief on the Global Africa Business Initiative. That's for tomorrow, and after I'm done, you will hear from Monica Villela Grayley, the spokesperson for the President of the General Assembly. Before we get to her, any questions for me? Yes, Edie. Uh, thank you very much, Farhan. Um, a couple of follow-ups. First, um, when the Secretary General was at the G20 in New Delhi, did he get a chance to speak to uh, Russia's foreign minister about the prospects for reviving the Black Sea Grain Initiative? Uh, no, I'm not aware that there was any uh, discussion on that uh, while he was in New Delhi. And secondly, I believe you said that Martin Griffiths was trying to uh, bring together all the parties in Sudan. Mm -hmm. um, yes. Does this include uh, the, both the generals and where and when might this take place? Well, we don't have the details yet. He did speak to General Hemeti of the Rapid Support Forces, uh, and uh, he wants to bring together the heads of all of the parties, including uh, General Hemeti and General Burhan, to see what can be done uh, to, uh, as, as we said, uh, reach many more people in the country. Uh, yes, Evelyn, and then Abel. Yes, well, be thank you, Farhan. It is 9-11 today, 
and some of us remember 22 years ago the disaster that happened. Um, and I just want to draw to everyone's attention that the Dag Hammarskjöld Fellows are now here and will start attending the press conference. They are from Nigeria, Mongolia, Uganda, and Ukraine. And we'll introduce them separately to you, Farhan. Okay, thanks very much. Amelie? Yeah. Hi, hi, Farhan, thanks. Just, um, I'm not sure I understood about the press conference you mentioned tomorrow, because, I mean, there was already a report, uh, an assessment of the SDG in July. So is it a new assessment, or is it just uh, to give us more details on this assessment before the SDG summit? Uh, this is ab about the key findings of the Global Sustainable Development Report. Uh, I believe it. I believe this is a report that was launched previously, but uh, like I said, they'll talk about uh, the report's evidence and practical solutions uh, about uh, impediments, about dealing with impediments to sustainable development. Yes, please. <coughs> Thank you, Farhan. Russia has demanded a meeting of the Security Council tomorrow to condemn countries that help Ukraine defend itself. At the same time, Putin is meeting with the leader of North Korea the next day to ask him for weapons to continue his aggression against Ukraine. What should be the UN Secretary General's comment on this parody of Moscow's position? Uh, I think we'll, we'll, uh, uh, we'll react uh, to, to any of the developments as, as they come. Obviously, meetings of the Security Council are decisions to be taken by the members of the Security Council. Uh, yes, uh, Maggie. Thanks, Farhan. On Morocco, um, is the UN just waiting for the Moroccan government to request you to help them? Is that why nothing has actually happened yet? Uh, yeah, our standard procedure is that we uh, wait and stand ready. Uh, we are making clear uh, to the Moroccan authorities uh, the sort of assistance uh, we are ready to provide. Uh, of course, uh, although we don't have the capacity to do search and rescue operations, for example, uh, we don't have that kind of equipment, we do have uh, the ability to coordinate efforts on the ground and uh, as you know, uh, we have the ability to bring in uh, all kinds of humanitarian assistance as needed. And so we're uh, discussing this with the authorities and we'll see what we can provide. And one follow-up. Uh, where is your closest hub for pre-positioned items? Is it um, Italy or is it, do you have someplace closer? Where would you be bringing things from if you were asked to help? Well, I mean, in this case, because it's a mountainous area, th there will be difficulties of access uh, in terms of trying to get uh, to to uh, the areas in need, a lot of that will require road clearance. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll see uh, whether uh, the necessary road clearance and rubble removal can can happen. But but yes, we will stand ready uh, to to bring aid from uh, from various places, whether it be through uh, through Europe or North Africa. Uh, Benno, thank you, Fan. I have three very different questions. I will start with. Um, Mr. Rubiales, the former president of the Spanish Football Association, he stepped back after kissing um, um, a player on the mouth. Uh, what's your comment on this? I, I, th I think uh, we've made it clear uh, that, uh, that uh, the sort of activity that had been seen was, uh, was unacceptable, and it's good to see th that there is uh, mechanisms for accountability. Then number two, um, Wednesday during the high-level week there will be a Security Council meeting. Uh, the German Chancellor will uh, attend. Is the SG planning to attend as well? Uh, we'll, uh, we'll be able to talk about that closer to the date. Obviously he's, he's 
ready to attend uh, uh, the appropriate meetings uh, as the schedule permits. And a very last one, maybe you can help me with that. I got a flash on my phone. A UN report says Colombia produced more, or in Colombia there was more cocaine produced than ever before. I don't know where that comes from. Uh, I, I believe that's something to ask our colleagues in the UN Office on Drugs and Crime. Uh, they, they've been coming out with reports, including the one on Afghanistan that I just mentioned, and so check with them. Yes, uh, Deshi. So first, a couple of follow-ups. Um, you mentioned about the press conference of the Secretary General. That would be on Wednesday. Do you have an exact time on, uh, on Wednesday? Uh, I believe uh, uh, the, the expected time is 11. 11, okay. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes, it's going to be here. Okay, so my question is concerning our G20. Don't look so sad. That's good news. <laughs> <laughs> so my question is on G20. Uh, we know that Secretary General was in India uh, last weekend. Um, there's the, the outcome of the declaration of G20. Uh, in that declaration, when talking about the, the Russian-Ukraine conflict, there's no harsh words, there's no condemnation, there's no even invasion. That's what the UN position, I believe, does the, does the Secretary General feel disappointed on this outcome of declaration of the G20? Well, uh, I mean, obviously, the, that's a result of the work done by the members of the, of the G20 themselves. We don't have a comment on the way that they came to compromise on different language. Our standpoint on, on Ukraine, of course, is based on the relevant uh, resolutions of the United Nations, uh, including those of the General Assembly. And so that's where we get our, our guiding lines. So uh, keep going with the declaration. In that declaration, uh, when talking about climate change, there is no commitment of facing out the fossil fuel, which the Secretary General repeatedly uh, urged G20 countries to do so. Um, and, uh, and feel this is a indispensable uh, way to get the net zero goals. So what is the reaction from the Secretary General on that part of this declaration? Well, regarding climate, uh, the Secretary General has made very clear that the G20 brings together the world's largest emitters. And he's always said that he wants to see more bold commitments and action from the G20 countries. So he continues to believe that. So my last question, maybe my last question, um, on, on Black Sea Initiative, any update? Uh, no, nothing to share for now. I, you, you've seen what we've said, and we continue to do what we can at various levels uh, to move forward with uh, exports from uh, Ukraine and the Russian Federation. And that will be my last question. Okay, uh, Abdel Hamid, and then back to Maggie. Uh, pl please put up Abdel Hamid's volume. I uh, sorry, hold on. You're still, pl please, uh, please boost it a little bit more. Uh, yeah, th th there's something wrong. There's been something wrong in recent days with your connections, Abdul Hamid. You might need a different way of connecting, but, but, but try again now. Let's see. Nope. Nope. It's absolutely silent now. Uh, uh, Abdul Hamid, please email me uh, your questions, and I'll try to get back to you that way. Uh, Maggie? Oh. oh, wait. Hold on. Yeah? Try again. Nope. <laughs> uh, sorry, it's, it's, it's not working. Uh, please, uh, please email me and I'll get back to you with that. Uh, yes, Maggie. Uh, Libya said more than 2,000 people have drowned in flooding. Uh, has there been any request to the UN for assistance and is there any reaction? 
we'll we'll follow up uh, uh, w with them on on uh, if we get a, a request from the Libyans, uh, we'll we'll certainly follow up. But but we're aware that uh, of this uh, 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 devastating damage, and and we'll stand ready to uh, to uh, uh, to respond. And with that, wait. Sorry, sorry, Abdelhamid. I don't think it's working. Uh, uh, I don't think it's working. Uh, uh, please, uh, please email me or call me later. Uh, we'll we'll now turn over to uh, to uh, Monica Villela Grayley. Thank you so much, Fahan. I was telling Fahan that it has a perfect pronunciation in Portuguese. Excellent. So, good afternoon, everyone. It's nice to see you again for another week here. And to the Dag Hamashold Fellows, so welcome to the briefing rooms. Nice to see you, Sue. Um, I have three notes for you today, and we will be done. First, uh, the General Assembly will hold a minute of silence today in tribute of the victims of the earthquake in Morocco. PJ Dennis Francis issued a tweet um, on Saturday, I think you all saw, expressing his deep sadness by the news of this devastating tragedy. He called the permanent representative of the Kingdom of Morocco to the United Nations, His Excellency Omar Hilali, to convey his sympathy and heartfelt condolences to the families of the victims, to the people and the government of Morocco. President Francis called on the international community to stand together in support of Morocco in this time of sorrow. And this afternoon, Mr. Francis will preside over a plenary meeting following a veto cast by a member state at the Security Council on the situation, situation in Mali on the 30th of August. The meeting will be webcast by UN Web TV and a letter with all details was sent to you last week and can be found on the PJ's website under the section Documents Letters. Last Friday, I was asked by our colleague Iftikhar Ali Shawani of the Associated Press of Pakistan on the informal meeting of the GA to hear a briefing on the GA Resolution 77-1 of 7th October 2022, entitled Solidarity with and Support for the government and people of Pakistan and the strengthening of emergency relief, rehabilitation, reconstructions and prevention in the wake of recent devastating floods. The meeting will take place on the 27th of September at 10 a.m. in the Trusteeship Council Chamber and there will be no pre-established list of speakers. And our last note for today. On this day, we recall and I'm reading a statement by the PGA in the first person. On this day, we recall and remember with deep sorrow and sadness the September 11th, 2001 attacks, which took place, took the pre precious lives of approximately 3,000 of citizens of several countries from across the world. On this day, the unforgettable memory of the tragedy must remind us of the values of human tolerance and common understanding. It is also a time to reflect deeper on the urgent imperative for the international community to collectively counter terrorism and extremism wherever it exists and in all its forms and manifestations. As the international community and the UN General Assembly that I am privileged to lead as president, we must join hands and say never again. 
we must intensify our efforts to build, maintain, and strengthen cross-cultural tolerance and respect, religious, ethnic, and common understanding among all our nations and their peoples. And this is the end of uh, the statement by the PGA. So this is everything that we have for today. Do you have anything else? Edie, how are you today? And afterwards, Fine. I have Thank you. Thank you, Monica. Sure. It's the minute of silence for the victims of the Morocco earthquake going to be at the start of this afternoon's uh, GA plenary. Correct. Yes, it is. Thank you. Evelyn, how are you? Yes, thank you, Monica. Um, on the discussion on the Morocco, uh, the Mo <coughs> Mali veto, mm -hmm. uh, do, you have, do you expect any final resolution? And do you know, have any wild guess of how many people will speak, how many delegates? So the matter will be um, um, assessed during this meeting by member states, uh, which will decide which action they will uh, take. But it will be a webcast for all. Thank you. Anything else? If not, I see you all tomorrow. And uh, have a nice afternoon, everybody. Thank you so much. Thank you. show has been produced by Depictions Media. Please contact us at depictions.media for more information. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.